the only person who can actually find the needle in the haystack. Wow! This is the Wisconsin Farm Report with Pam Youngke. What a beautiful way to kick off day number one of Wisconsin Farm Technology Days. Good morning, everybody. Fabulous Farm Babe Pam Youngke. Glad to be along with you right now here on the radio later today at the Badgers Team and Gas Engine Club Grounds, the site for Wisconsin Farm Technology Days. That show opens this morning at 9 a.m., goes till 4 p.m. Don't forget, cost of admission, $10 if you pay for cash, uh, $12 if you're using a credit card. Those 12 and younger are free. I'll be there for the opening ceremony. If you want to find me today, look for my friends at Olson Solar this morning, Rank Seeds Midday, and Compure Financial this afternoon. So I'm around Wisconsin Farm Technology Days. Again, it's Olson Solar, Rank Seeds, and Compure Financial if you want to catch up with the farm babe. No matter what you're doing today in the outdoors of Wisconsin, it's going to be a beautiful day. Sunshine on the way, 79 are expected high. Sunshine tomorrow, 83. Thursday, maybe a sliver of a chance of rain, 82. Friday, sunshine and 81 degrees. So honestly, awfully mild for this late in July. Stumacher, Ag Meteorologist, joining us in about 15 minutes. And don't forget, it's a Tuesday. We'll catch up with our friend John Heinberg, Market Advisor with Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend. Whether it's finally getting that blue ribbon or enjoying too many carnival rides, we all have memories of the fair. Here's your chance to share those stories in our Everybody Has a Fair Story contest. The Midwest Farm Report is teaming up with the Wisconsin Association of Fairs as they celebrate 100 years of fairs to share the fair story. Entries are being accepted all summer long, and there are cash prizes. To enter and see full contest details, visit MidwestFarmReport.com. Tiny pollinators, they're on everybody's lips sometimes, hopefully not directly on the lips. This is Jill Welke from the northern end of the world's longest barn here in Eau Claire. And I was lucky enough to catch up with Jonathan Logderman. He is on the executive board for the Wisconsin Honey Producers. And he's also on the board of directors for the American Honey Producers Association. So you must know what's going on with those little bees an awful lot. It always seems that people talk about the pollinators and keeping them fed in May. And talking about no more May. Tell me about the flower availability in May. I mean, do we need to mow our lawns, or can we let them grow? Well, that's kind of an interesting question. Um, there's probably a lot of people that would rather not mow their yards, so it uh, it kind of plays both ways. But uh, the reality of the, the the situation with the no mow may is that it uh, brings awareness to the pollinators and that they need flowers and whatnot uh, to survive with uh, the pollen and the nectar. That time of year here in Wisconsin, there's a abundance of dandelions available. Um, so it, it does help bringing the awareness that the, the bees and pollinators need um, food. Um, but, you know, at the same time, there's also an abundance of uh, pollen and flowers that time of year. So if you choose not to uh, mow your yard and participate in that, that's great. Um, and if you decide to mow your yard, you know, that's fine too, because there's um, plenty of stuff out there for the, the pollinators that time of year. It's just basically the time of the season. The flowers are out, right? Yep. And they're starting to come out and all the trees are starting to bloom and fruit trees blooming that time of year. So um, there really is a, a lot of availability. 
Um, what I like to tell people is, you know, if they really want to help the pollinators out, start to plant um, different species of flowers in their on their property or in their yard that would bloom at different times throughout the summer. And we really need a lot more uh, availability of flowers that would produce nectar and pollen on the late, you know, August and September of the year to help with um, the fall buildup for overwintering. And I've seen some programs where they start pollinator gardens. Is that something that's really become popular in the state? Yeah, I think it's taken off. There's been programs. There's even um, with the NRCS, um, there's some programs out there. If there's funding available um, to plant uh, pollinator habitat plots um, in rural or even in, in the municipalities, and that really helps out. It doesn't take a lot um, to make a difference. So if everybody just does a little, it, it ends up, you know, accumulating. And it'll be a big, big help, you know, moving forward. I'm going to take a little more personal look at where you put your hives. First of all, how many hives do you have out there? Uh, yeah, this year we're running 1,500. Um, we're a multi-state operation. We're based out of Osseo, um, and then we winter our bees down in South Mississippi uh, by Lumberton. For winter pollination, um, we go to uh, California and pollinate the almonds. Um, so, you know, this year we brought up 1,500 colonies, and we're right now in uh, honey production. I just got done putting on the last of the honey supers today, and hopefully in about three weeks we'll go out and see some uh, boxes full of honey and start pulling honey. And as you have all these different spots for your honey, how do you make that choice for where you're going to put them? There's a balancing act in it. We get approached by a lot of different landowners that want the bees on their property. And then it becomes a couple things. As we've gotten bigger, our trucks and stuff that we need to do the work have gotten bigger. So we have to have access into the property and it has to be a viable location for us to get around. And then secondly, we typically drive mile around the property um, on the roads just to kind of get a feel for what available flowers that there will be throughout the year, um, just to kind of have an idea. Uh, there's no one perfect spot to put bees, but at the same time, we like to try to maximize our opportunity with flowering plants that go from May to September. And here in Osseo at Logdraman Honey, LLC, do you process from start to finish? Yeah, so we um, take the honey f off the hives in uh, September and store everything in 55-gallon uh, drums here. And then we do do our own packing of honey, and it's sold in the uh, local grocery stores and whatnot in the community. And then we do supply uh, other packers or small beekeepers or whatnot that need honey um, in 5-gallon buckets or 55-gallon barrels. There's always challenges in agriculture. Tell me what some of those challenges are, be it the weather or the pests. Yeah, so the weather always plays a role in, um, in honey production or even pollination. This past year out in California was almost like a disaster due to the flooding and all the rain, and it was cold out there. Um, it was bad coming in and then bad coming out. We actually were having a hard time getting the last semi-loads of bees shipped out and it was getting to the point that I was going to say, just leave what you can't get out of the mud, send the semi, and we'll figure out how to get the rest of those bees back to Wisconsin. 
Um, so that played a role in um, what took place early season, and that affected not just us, but a lot of other beekeepers across the country with getting uh, replacement bees and queens, because uh, California is actually, you know, the engine because they that's the first bloom of the year where all the pollinators are at for the almonds. Um, so a problem out there is just a ripple effect through the rest of the country. And then this year up here with honey production, it's the right, the rains have been spotty. We were wet to begin with, and then we got that, we really dried out, which was okay early on, but then now the rains have been spotty and we can actually see that in the level or the amount of honey that we have at the different locations, depending on where they're at when the rain hit. And we talked weather, but what about the pests? What kind of challenges do you have with those? The parasite the varroa mite is still you know out there and it just appears that the levels of that of infestation in your colonies you have to really have that under control at lower levels um, than what it used to be and then they're obviously carrying viruses and and that type of stuff and they transmit that to the bees and that's playing a, a role in the health and struggle of um the longevity of the bee. Um, people don't realize that, uh, you know, the bees in the summer, if they, you know, last 50 days, um, if you lose a few days of that, um, those last days of uh, life for the bee, they're the foraging uh, days. So that plays a role in pollen and nectar coming back into the colony. Um, so there, there's always a challenge. There's always something new coming. Um, but you know, we just kind of roll with it. And... and I read an article about beekeepers having trouble keeping their hives going and the normal loss from season to season. Can you give me kind of a baseline of what a normal loss is? Yeah, it, it depends. Uh, the commercial beekeepers, um, you know, if they're not fixing their colonies throughout the year, 50% uh, loss could pop, you know, be a reality. Um, we've had years where we've lost 25% of our colonies and thought that was really good. But at the same time, sometimes the loss number isn't telling the whole truth because maybe that year that we did the 25% loss, we had a percentage of those colonies that weren't really productive either. So, you know, technically you should have probably called them a loss because there was nothing to work with when we got back to spring. So, you know, 35 to 50%. Yeah, I, I think that's a realistic uh, number. And I think the, the surveys really say that it's, you know, just that we're able to make up bees in the spring to, you know, bring the, the colony, colony counts back up. Um, and so our numbers don't really fluctuate year over year, but the loss number fluctuates. Well, I still think this is a pretty sweet industry to be in, in the agriculture industry. And we've talked challenges, but what are some of the really benefits that you see for doing the honey industry? Well, for us, it's a family adventure. Um, it's myself, my wife, and the two girls. Um, and then we hire some high school help to help us out in the summer. But what we like about it is that literally it's something different every two weeks. Um, even though it's beekeeping and whatnot, we're doing a different um, job every two weeks through the year. And then the size that we are, we're able to migrate down into the warmer climates in the, in the winter. 
granted that creates some other challenges that you don't really think of. It just sounds awesome that you're going to go down south, but um, there are challenges with that. But, you know, it's just something different. We meet a lot of people. The kids have been able to travel around the country with us. Um, and, you know, there's we have friends in a lot of different states now. Do you see the girls taking over the honey industry from you someday? Uh, you know, we talked to them about it, and there's a possibility. I mean, they they don't know anything different because they were born into it, essentially, because uh, I had started before we had children. So time will tell, but so far they, they seem to enjoy it. Well, I hope so, because that honey industry is something that it does so much good for the crops, and that was Jonathan Logman part of Logtman Honey LLC and he's on the executive board of Wisconsin Honey Producers and the board of directors for the American Honey Producers Association. And I'm Jill Welke from the northern end of the world's longest barn here in Eau Claire. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Hi, it's Preston from Window World. And although I'd love to talk your ear off about windows, today's all about doors. Your front door can say a lot about you. Window World specializes in turning a bland entrance into a grand entrance. We have top quality products, a variety of paint and stain options, and certified factory trained installers. It's a no-brainer. Visit us at windowworldmadison.com. I think the collaboration that we see between Wisconsin Farm Bureau and these other commodity groups gives us a cohesive message, a singular stance in agriculture that offers credibility. It gives us a cohesive message and support for all of our agricultural organizations. WFBF.com. It's easy to join. A voice for farmers, a vision for agriculture, Wisconsin Farm Bureau. Is your biggest fear of having dermal filler in the face looking overdone? You are not alone. A skincare minute with skincare expert, Michelle Neeson. Dermal filler treatments at Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie restore fullness and fill in wrinkles in areas of the face, such as the cheeks, under eyes, lips, and around the mouth. It's very difficult to look overdone with non-surgical dermal fillers due to the amount that's typically injected. Did you know that one syringe of filler equals one-fifth of a teaspoon? One fast food ketchup packet is equivalent to eight syringes. As long as your treatment is performed by a skilled medical professional, you should have the natural-looking results you desire. Let your natural beauty shine through. Visit us at rejuvenationclinicofsaukprairie.com. If your workout includes baling hay and pitching pens, then you'll be comfortable right here. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Young. Boy, emphasis on comfortable for sure as we start this Tuesday morning. Again, as we've been saying and we'll continue to remind you about, uh, it is day number one of Wisconsin Farm Technology Days. Let's talk weather. Stu Ag meteorologist, joining us live this morning. Yeah, you know, I mean, honestly... You almost had to pinch yourself yesterday. It was so nice. And uh, more of the same, at least today. Then a, then maybe a little bit of a warm-up, huh? A little bit warmer. I mean, today, Pam, will be a couple of degrees warmer than yesterday. Still very fine indeed. 
uh, wonderful break in July weather from heat and humidity and a great way to start this year's Farm Technology Days. No doubt about that. A little on the cooler side with a dry day in store. Sounds fantastic. A great day to head to the show. Just a nice way to start the week out for that. But we look at a cool front that's dropped off to our south way down in Missouri and Illinois and southern parts of Indiana. There are a few sprinkles up over the Door Peninsula and way in far northwest Wisconsin this morning. None of that a big concern for us. I expect a nice dry day, but low pressure will begin to approach from the west. And I have to mention that uh, it's a possibility even very late Wednesday, Wednesday evening into Wednesday night, there may be a shower or a thunderstorm. A little more likelihood further north, not as much in the south, but the farm technology grounds may get a sprinkle late Wednesday into Wednesday night, and then we have a little more mild air. In fact, temperatures start pushing back toward normal here as we head toward the end of the week, back up into the lower 80s. So for fairs going on in Wisconsin, a warmer weekend on the way, no doubt about that. Just a small rain chance late Wednesday, early Thursday. That again, quite possibly as we move toward later in the weekend, a little instability. That pop-up shower or storm may try to edge on in, but otherwise, nice temperatures up in the 80s. Not going to be overly humid. Sounds pretty comfortable here right through. I'll have forecast details right after this. At Compure Financial, we're defined by you. Your hopes for the future as well as what you need today. As a local member-owned cooperative, you shape how we serve agriculture and rural communities. As a partner and part of your community, we're here for you with personalized service and expertise you can rely on. Contact your local Compere Financial team at 844-426-6733 or visit compere.com slash you for your lending and other financial needs. Compere Financial is an equal credit opportunity lender and provider. Copyright 2022. All rights reserved. I've got some cheese curds that I'm willing to share. Then I want to ride that giant slide over there. So if you've got 11 days to spare, won't you come with me to the Wisconsin State Fair? Won't you come with me to the Wisconsin? Great state of Wisconsin State There's Fair. something for everyone at the Wisconsin State Fair, presented by U.S. Cellular August 3rd through the 13th. Looking forward to that, too. All right, Stu, let's narrow in on that forecast, like you said, a uh, beautiful first day for Farm Tech Days. We just have to kind of keep an eye on those clouds. Yep, that's about it. Mostly sunny today. A beautiful day. Sunscreen. There's something you'll need. Let's look for temps that ought to be right around 80 degrees with the northwest winds about 5. Overnight, we stay clear. Drop back into the mid or upper 50s. A nice, comfortable night. South winds about 5 to 10. Wednesday, well, I expect a mostly sunny day. But like I mentioned, further north, a slight chance of rain toward evening. I'm looking at that Mauston, Baraboo to Fond du Lac and, and uh, Oshkosh line. Oh, up into the 80s tomorrow, 82, 84. South winds about 5 to 10. An evening shower could be a thunderstorm Wednesday night. A slight chance lingering into Thursday. But sunny Thursday, still around 80 with the northwest winds at 5 to 15. Wednesday night into Thursday, Pam, a tenth of an inch or two. That's about all. Should settle the dust for day three of Farm Technology Days. Hey, that's all right. Absolutely beautiful. I can't remember a Farm Tech Days that's had this kind of a stretch of weather. Well, we'll keep our fingers crossed nothing <laughs> blows up. <you> well, <laughs> yeah, let's not watch the shoe drop. All right, buddy. Uh, tomorrow morning you got Nate Zemdars in the big chair, so we'll talk to you Thursday. 
All right. See you then. Good deal. Stumach, our ag meteorologist with the weather details that you're looking for. Like he said, I don't want to get too arrogant about this weather, but so far it looks great. Don't forget, see you at Farm Technology Days. The gates open starting at 9 a.m. this morning. More on the show coming your way along with John Heinberg, market advisor with Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. You can't change the price of gas or groceries, but you can change the amount of your energy bill. Benjamin Plumbing is now a certified dealer of Renai tankless water heaters. The number one tankless water heater in North America. They're up to 40% more energy efficient and provide endless hot water. Stop wasting tons of energy keeping 40, 50, even 75 gallons of water hot day and night with your old water heater. Call Benjamin Plumbing today and learn more about the new state-of-the-art, energy-efficient Renai tankless water heaters, including a factory-extended warranty. Save money with endless hot water for your home with a new Renai water heater from Benjamin Plumbing. Hi, Dale Benjamin with Benjamin Plumbing. When we say your plumbing problem is fixed, we mean it. No excuses, I guarantee it. Contact Benjamin Plumbing at BenjaminPlumbing.com. Now you've got a friend in the plumbing business. Benjamin Plumbing. Legacy Exteriors. Just pick up the phone and let us leave a legacy on your home. Roofing windows, gutters, siding, and decks. Can Legacy do it? You bet. Better prices, better warranties. Legacy always makes it easy. Go to Legacy-Exteriors.com. Legacy Exteriors. Just pick up the phone and let us leave a legacy on your home. Goodman's Jewelers has been providing a sparkle to Madison since 1933. That's a lot of great memories. John Hayes for Goodman's Jewelers. We've been caring for generations of customers, and during that time, our strengths have been trust, service, and selection. Those traits are who we are, and that will never change. Goodman's Jewelers, a destination worth reaching. 220 State Street, GoodmansJewelers.com. The best is at Goodman's. Ergonomic office chairs that fit different employee body shapes and sizes is smart business. This is Zach from Office Furniture Warehouse. The proper fit reduces stress and pain, keeping your workforce at the office and productive. Name brand office furniture with warehouse pricing allows us to create better workspaces for America's workforce. That's simply smart business. Visit OFWGoMadison.com or stop by the showroom on Ronald Reagan Avenue on the north side. Tom Spitz and David Fink of Settlers Bank, your local independent bank. We are the premier provider of commercial, treasury, mortgage, and private banking services. Our team blends experience with the latest technology to make banking easier. We provide the advice and solutions you need. To learn more, stop by or visit SettlersWI.com. Settlers Bank, timely decisions, people you know. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. Rural Mutual is the number one farm insurer in Wisconsin for a good reason. As a company founded by farmers, they understand the ag industry and its challenges. Local agents offer farm families the best advice and personalized coverage. Visit RuralMutual.com to find an agent near you. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong.
They don't want you to be concerned about medical bills. That's why they offer one of the best benefits and insurance packages around. They take care of the community by providing temporary energy for local festivals and fairs. A good sign they'll also take care of you. If you're an experienced electrician that takes pride in your work and wants to join a rising reliable company with a premier benefits package, apply online at everreadyelectric.net. Chris Collini with a dirty little secret. Growing up, we were encouraged to track mud in the house. After all, dirt has been our family business for generations. Today we rely on more than our boots to transport our nutrient-rich soils. We have bigger trucks and better equipment if you need it delivered. Or you can simply pick it up at our awesome dirt-filled processing plant. Take it from a worm. Trust the guys who know good dirt. Kalani Topsoil. Now that's good dirt. That squeal you're hearing while you come to a stop? That's your brakes crying for help. At Tom's Auto Center, we offer five-star brake repair on all makes and models. Stop by for a brake fluid and brake inspection. If your brakes are talking to you or screaming for help, we'll diagnose it and give you a written estimate. We want you to be able to trust your brakes. Tom's Auto Center. Off Highway 51 in McFarland, a stone's throw from McDonald's. I did actually have this thought over the weekend, though, where you're sitting there because remember who the GM was that technically traded Josh Hader? David Stearns, Stearns, a guy that is still technically employed by the Milwaukee Brewers. I think it affected him so hard he had to step down from his role and give it to Matt Arnold. But remember who came out and was like, oh, oh, nope, this wasn't me. This wasn't me. This was David. Mark Adonazio. Yeah. Mr. We need air conditioning units himself. I'm sitting there going, if Matt Arnold, who is a David Stearns guy, he was brought in by David Stearns, was a David Stearns guy, rose up quick through the ranks, and was basically his right-hand man until he took over when Stearns like, eh, I'm going to kind of just transition to a, you know, a consultant role for the next year, and then I'm probably going to move over and become the Mets GM, especially because the Mets are continuing to Met. Yeah. Do you think, A, that this was actually David Stearns doing this, making knowing, knowing it was a bad trade and knowing that uh, Mark Ananasio would approve of it because it was shedding salary? Uh-huh, uh-huh. And they could say whatever they want. They clearly just didn't want to pay a reliever, you know, roughly $15 million. Yeah. Or... If they do reacquire Josh Hader, is this Mark Ananasio, who clearly was the one that's saying, you know what, we, we got to get something for him. We we don't want to pay that salary. A, throwing David Stearns under the bus and letting his boy, Matt Arnold, come in, make it, and try to go back and, and right his wrongs and be like, we were wrong, but it was also David. <laughs> And then he goes on and and becomes the general manager of the Mets. So can Mark Ananasio do this one time to try and get back into the fans' good graces all while still having a fall man, a.k.a. old David Stearns, old GM David Stearns, and then he goes to the Mets and he'd be like, see, he was, he, he, we, had this, <laughs> we had these private chats where David knew he was a New York guy. It was his favorite team Should growing up. Sabotage you know, us. He, he, wanted, he wanted to be there. We had already known that you know, he, was, he was looking at transitioning over to another team. And you know what? And 
he was the general manager, and, you know, I, I don't put my hands in that t- side of the business. I just let the general manager do his thing. But you know what? I, I came in and I said, you know what, Matt, I think it's time that we go for it. And you know what? I'll pay that extra five, $6 million that we'll have to pick up, and we'll see if we can't figure out something after the season. So what you're <laughs> telling me it. I could see it. is this is the long play from Mark Adonazio to win back f- uh, public perception of himself uh, in the good graces as he's asking for more money for from uh, yes, I I feel taxpayers. like clearly bring back Josh Hader to save face. What G- me market and like this is the thing. It's like what GM would say. You know what? I actually don't want to be in a situation where we can spend pretty much all the money we want. We can you know make these trades or go target players that because like think about it. Every GM in baseball when it's free agent time, when it's time to sign people. Everyone, obviously, for the most part, wants the Bryce Harpers or the Mike Trouts or just most of them actually aren't afforded the ability to go actually sign them if they wanted to. Yeah. How many clamps do you think were actually put on David Stearns? Because clearly it's a lot where he knows he can't go out and maybe trade for these type of players and give away half of the farm or he, he knows he can't go sign some of these guys. I think this would be a great opportunity for Mark Ananasio to, to literally use that and say, see, that was David Stearns. I was never in control. You're onto something. But we can go get Hater, and he's never even going to pay the money. We can go get Hater to do it right this year because we're contending. We were contending last year, but David decided to do that. Yeah, I'll David. pay that. I'll pay the five or six million that it would cost to bring in Hater for the rest of the season. And it'll make everyone forget about it all. Now we won't sign Hater no. because I'm not going to pay him 15 no. plus million dollars. We'll that's, that's crazy. But I'll rent him, and then I will say, "See, we were going for it, and see, that was David. It wasn't me. I okayed Man Arnold, but he gets out of it cheaper because he didn't have to pay his entire salary yep. for the full year. Yep. They're this is a good conspiracy because, theory. Because it's a like rental, this. he's not going to have to give up as much as it would be to acquire a player with two or three years. And it's a reunion of a guy oh, that people love. Fans will love it. Was a brewer. Obviously, he's having one of his better seasons. And Mark Ananasio can play it all off as the fact. I don't it think was this, this wasn't the plan, but this became a new plan. If you've ever driven a tractor, you're her friend. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Hang on. We're catching up with our friend John Heinberg, market advisor with Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend. He's up in about 15 minutes. You want to catch up with me today at day number one of Wisconsin Farm Technology Days? Well, I'll tell you what. You will find me this morning along with my friends from Olson Solar. That's uh, location 472, Rank Seeds, mid-morning at uh, location 202, and this afternoon I'm with Compure Financial in uh, booths 106-107. Now remember, we're at the Badgers Team and Gas Engine Club grounds, so things might look a little different as far as the layout of Tent City. Best thing to do, grab a directory as soon as you get there. But I'll start my morning with Olson Solar, then on to Rank Seeds, wrapping up the afternoon with Compure Financial today at Wisconsin Farm Technology Days. I'm P.M. Yankee. Really glad you're along with us. I'm really glad I can report the weather is going to be gorgeous today. Look for daytime highs around 79 under Sunday under sunny skies. Tomorrow, same thing. Sunny skies in 83. Thursday, maybe a sliver of a chance of rain, 82. And Friday, sunshine, 
81 degrees. Nate Zimdars is going to be along with you tomorrow morning handling the big show. So again, like I mentioned before, please be kind. Today is the 18th day of July. What can I tell you? On this day, back in 1968, Intel was founded. Santa Clara, California, the Intel Corporation is the world's largest semiconductor chip manufacturer. And I bet you can't even fathom how many of those uh, chips you're around in an average day. Intel started on this day back in 1968. On this day in 2013, Detroit declared bankruptcy. They had up to $20 billion in debt, became the largest municipal entity in the United States to declare bankruptcy. Happened on this day back in 2013. Happy birthday to actor Vin Diesel, 56. Actress Kristen Bell is 43. Priyanka Chopra, who is an Indian uh, television star but making her way in the U.S. as well, she is 41. And British business magnate Richard Branson turns 73 today. Happy birthday to all. And now you know. You know, we're following up on some of these trade missions that have been happening around the state of Wisconsin, bringing international visitors in to try to do business with our agribusinesses. One product that is very popular worldwide that you might not think about when it comes to Wisconsin agribusiness is our timber industry. Stephanie Hoff gives us a follow-up. The state recently hosted an international trade mission bringing buyers from across the globe on a tour of about a dozen lumber businesses. One of these was McDonald and Owen Lumber, based in Luck. CEO Clint West tells me why Wisconsin timber is so attractive, but first gives me a look at what the forest products industry looks like in the state. There are tons of trees that are grown in the forest, and uh, a lot of people might find it hard to believe that there's actually more harvestable timber now than there was when our country was founded two or 300 years ago. So it's really um, a product of our environment that is sustainably produced and very effective for building products and uh, building materials. And um, we think that it's uh, there's even room for it to grow. Um, the forest is growing, and most of our landowners harvest less than the growth in the forest every year. So every year the forest is getting bigger and it's getting more healthy and it's getting stronger as long as we stick with the uh, proper logging efforts and the proper forest management criteria. If we decide to stop foresting and stop logging and stop harvesting timber, actually the forest will erode. And there's a, a lot at stake if we, if, we, um, if we don't protect it and manage it properly. Clint, you recently hosted a international trade group at your facility. Who were they? What did they want to know? We're really thankful that the state of Wisconsin is behind us as a forest products company and, and behind our industry. And they're actively recruiting people from all over the world to come here and see what Wisconsin has to offer in the form of hardwood products. The recent trade delegation that came here had people from Thailand and Mexico and Middle East and, you know, but from our experience, those markets all over the world, they need properly managed hardwood products. They need wood that comes from properly managed forests. And I'm glad that they're interested in coming to Wisconsin. Um, to be honest, Wisconsin forests are really, really great. And they have some of the finest hardwoods the world has to offer. Red oak, white oak, hard maple, soft maple. These products are premier when they come and they're grown in the state of Wisconsin. And people do look from all over the world 
to buy from Wisconsin because of the quality of the timber that we're producing. What makes us attractive? Do we offer something that no one else does? You know, it's actually a little bit more expensive to buy from Wisconsin. So what it, it, what we're not um, sell, putting to market is the cheapest wood fiber available. The growth seasons that we have in deciduous trees in Wisconsin is, is short. And so that makes our rings of annual growth tighter than they are in places where more tropical or more temperate environments. So actually, it's our Wisconsin winters that give us such a, help us produce such a beautiful and sturdy product that is really well received. The color and the quality uh, in the in the grain patterns that you get out of Wisconsin, they're just rarefied in the world. You just can't get them everywhere. If you go to Georgia or Tennessee, yeah, their trees are bigger, but they're not as good. They have wider rings of annual growth. They have more sapwood. They have more mineral. They have more things that a buyer and a producer of high-end products is going to, they're going to have to defect it out down the road. And so really they buy from Wisconsin because of the color and the quality of the grain pattern that grows naturally in our forest because of our environment. What does Wisconsin's hardwood get used for primarily? Most of our customers are making cabinets, flooring, um, millwork, and furniture. Those are the main categories that we um, of manufacturers that we would sell to. It, we ship to California, we ship to Arizona, we ship to Minnesota, we ship all over in Wisconsin, all over the country and around the world. People are using Wisconsin hardwoods for flooring, millwork, furniture, and cabinets. So, Clint, what surprised you or what did you learn when the trade group came through? They were really interested in what we're doing and what we have to offer. And I think that that is a good thing. That's a great formula for success for the future. It makes me think that, you know, maybe the best is yet to come. An optimistic outlook from a lumber manufacturer here in Wisconsin. That was Clint West, CEO of McDonald and Owen Lumber in Luck. His facility was one of the stops during a recent international trade tour put on by the Department of Agriculture, Trade and Consumer Protection. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Stephanie Hoff. Yep, lumber and timber. You don't necessarily think about it at first blush when it comes to Wisconsin agribusiness. Now you know. Well, our Wisconsin crops have improved over the past seven days' time. That's according to the Wisconsin Ag Statistical Service. Across the state, 48% of our corn now rated good to excellent. That's up three percentage points in a week. Soybeans, 43% good to excellent, up one percentage points. Uh, As far as winter wheat right now, uh, the conditions there, 51% good to excellent. That's down another 7%, though, in a week's time. Pasture conditions, 27% good to excellent. That's also down 8%. So it really depends on where that rain came down over the past seven days' time as far as your temperament with the crops. Markets overnight are pretty quiet. Right now, December corn's unchanged. November beans are unchanged. The September wheat's down a penny at 652. Yesterday in Chicago, barrel cheese gained a penny and a half at 140 and three quarters. 40 pound block cheese was up a penny and a half, finished at 149 and a half. Double A butter, that also gained a penny at 256 a pound. Looking better this morning, our fluid milk for August is up 28 cents right now, 1559 a hundredweight. September's up 29 at 1640 a hundredweight. What's happening in the marketplace? That's what John Heinberg's all about. He's up next. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. There goes Pam Youngke across Wisconsin in her suburban truck. Thanks to Blaine's Farm and Fleet, the original, authentic, still family-owned since 1955. And from Farm First Dairy Cooperative, 
serving dairy farmers across the Midwest since 2013. Farm First Dairy Cooperative, member-focused, member-driven, member-led. Keep up with Pam at MidwestFarmReport.com and on Facebook and Twitter. How is it that we can have smokers' lines without ever smoking? A skincare minute with skincare expert Michelle Neeson. Smokers or lip lines can occur not only because of smoking, but other factors, such as talking, drinking from a straw, genetics, and age-related fat loss. The most simple and effective treatment for this problem is a combination of dermal fillers such as Juvederm, which can smooth and fill those fine lines as well as hydrate the lips. Also, a neuromodulator such as Botox can be used in small amounts to relax those pursing muscles. At Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie, this treatment results in a natural, more youthful appearance of the mouth and often lasts a year or longer. Let your natural beauty shine through. Visit us at rejuvenationclinicofsaukprairie.com. The nightmare of working with some contractors is much like being on a bad date. They totally wreck your bathroom, swindle you out of a ton of money, then disappear into the dark of night. Swipe left. Actuate Improvement is a full-service design and remodeling company who completes the job as promised, is cost-conscious, then leaves you with a sweet thank-you note. Swipe right, and let's get the conversation started with a free consultation. ActuateLLC.com. Design. Create. Actuate. This is the Midwest Farm Report. From field to fork. And those voices are going to be strong and powerful when the Wisconsin State Fair rolls our way. And that's just a couple weeks down the road. Glad you're along with us, everybody. Fabulous Farm Bay Pam Yankee. Joined this morning by our friend John Heinberg, market advisor with Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend, getting back in the swing of things as far as watching the markets. I want to start out with the news headline this morning that everybody's kind of keeping an eye on, John. And that is that, once again, we're back at that cross uh, crosshair where Russia and Ukraine are trying to figure out if they're going to remain uh, able to move grain across the Black Sea. The early word this morning is that Russia is going to uh, deny that access. And that, you know, it changes up our market dynamics, not just here, but really around the world. Uh, very much so, at least in terms of the market news. I mean, this is some, something that's been kind of brewing now for a couple of weeks, and that was part of the reason we saw the rally in the corn and wheat, and, and as well as even spill over into the soybean markets here last week, and to start this week as well. You know, we did see the prices kind of turn around yesterday, but uh, Russia has now basically said they're out of the green deal, and they're not going to allow transport through that area. And actually, last night, we've seen prices kind of pop a little bit here in the last hour or two this morning. Russia actually hit the Odessa support with with a missile drone attack not sure of the damage things of that nature but you know kind of uh, retaliating for that hit on that bridge that was, leads to Crimea that happened over the weekend and, you know so again here we are escalation of the tensions in that area now realistically when we're talking actual bushels at 
the whole issue over there has already been kind of figured into the world markets, but the little bit that was moving in a tighter supply market is causing some reaction, especially with the way the computers and the algorithm traders uh, kind of handle the news side of it. And that's what's given us this little rally here the last couple of days uh, in the corn market, kind of unexpectedly after that heavy USDA report. And then throw in again a little bit of the weather as we've been watching some of the forecasts turn a little bit drier here right at the key window of pollination uh, for this corn crop. Yeah. The only thing that we've got as far as that corn crop is at least the temperatures are more moderate. So if uh, how long how long does this have to persist between Russia and Ukraine as far as the grain movement specifically before we get another ripple in the marketplace, John? Well, you know, market's going to price it in very quickly. Again, remember, we are a futures market. And it's very, like I said, put some of these price moves in last week. When it comes down to actual percentages, we're looking about 5 to 6% of global wheat supplies. A little bit more in the corn, about 13 to 14% were coming out of that region. So, again, when you look at the big picture, it wasn't a monster impact. Obviously, when it comes to corn, we're still thinking about what's going on with Brazil, the record supply down there, the fact they undercut prices. That just continues to be a wet blanket over any rally. You know, in wheat, the Russian wheat market basically dictates the price of wheat on the global scale uh, at that stage. So we did add some premium in. We maybe peaked that premium out a little bit yesterday, but again, markets will stay a little bit more volatile, especially with the weather cards still kind of being played again as, uh, you know, we picked up some rain, crop conditions improved, uh, but at the same time, uh, there's the ample supplies of moisture are not out there across the Corn Belt, and the forecasts are looking a little drier here in this key window. John Heinberg, Market Advisor with Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend, joining us live on this Tuesday morning. Always want to remind you about their website, TotalFarmMarketing.com. And if you want to give them a call, 800-334-9779. Let's uh, pause for a moment and look at that crop progress report, John. Here in Wisconsin, our corn and soybean crop ratings went up a little bit. Is there any particular producing state that's still really struggling, having a tough time, going to catch some attention? You know, that Illinois number still looks very significant at 40% of the bean crop and and 41% of the corn crop in the good excellent category. You know, everybody else in terms of the I states, 60, 64%, Indiana, Iowa, respectively, in terms of corn conditions. We've saw some improvement across that area. I mean, that was some of the reason we the market anticipated that with the price pullback a little bit here yesterday. But again, that's still a concern. Now, I was on the road this week, drove down to Kentucky, put a lot of windshield time in through Iowa and Indiana or in Illinois and in Indiana. And, you know, that's all the deep, pretty good stuff from the sidelines that looked a little bit on the wheat behind the uh, time frame, you know, in terms of where we should be, maybe a little bit smaller, but nice and healthy and green. But if it keeps raining in those areas, you know, this crop still has a lot of potential in it here. So that rally we may have got getting us back to 525 may have turned into a bit of a pricing opportunity, even though not as good as people want it, but better than where we were just a few weeks ago to get a few corn bushels locked in here. Yeah, let's go back to last week in that uh, USDA report that really, it did surprise the marketplace, John. Yeah, it did. I mean, the, we were really trying to figure out what it was going to do with things in terms of that report. And obviously, we brought the corn yield down. We had to get those extra acres in. You know, that may have just been a systematic move just because we're adding what type of acres, usually fringe acres, which don't produce as well. So that brings the national yield down as well. Soybean side didn't change the yield, which they typically don't make moves for both corn and soybean yields in July. But again, taking out some of those uh, fringe acres increases the possibility 
possibility of potential for soybean yield, so therefore they didn't make the move. The big thing we wanted to watch is what they do on the demand side, and they left corn unchanged. So realistically, taking the, you know, adding those acres in, dropping that yield down, and carry out is still heavy, and we still feel like the, the demand side of the equation is severely overstated. So there's still room for the USDA. They got some wiggle room with that report to bring that corn yield down and make some demand changes, and we still have a pile of corn out there, well over 2 billion bushels of carryover, which is not prices that we're seeing at this level in terms of what we could see for corn prices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, you stop and think about some of the other uh, influences. Uh, cattle numbers continue to go down as far as, uh, you know, the beef and the feed needs out there. Uh, and then now we're starting to really get concerned about transportation arteries, too. Yeah, very much so. Obviously, with the lack of moisture, you know, that could be a, a summer story again as we get for later into the fall, you know, where we are here in terms of the transportation side. I don't remember how much that was a bit of an issue with the Mississippi River, you know, last last season. You know, so we'll have to kind of watch that again going forward. Obviously, the feed demand is going to concern, you know, the cattle market continues to stay strong. The numbers just aren't there overall. And that's, uh, you know, even though we did see some jump in hog numbers, which was a little bit of a surprise, you know, the feed demand side of the equation equation is still uh, not at the level it needs to be, you know, and those are just some of the demand factors that just still keep this core market a little bit heavy in my mind, even though we got a lot of volatility because of the news front as well as the weather right now, but use those opportunities and volatility to make pricing. Hey, I don't want to take your, your eye off the ball, but back on cattle, uh, earlier this spring, we talked about how uh, processors were already talking that they weren't going to have enough cattle for a five-day run. Any update from them? You know, we are starting to see some cattle maybe move out of the line, get back into the pastures. If we've seen good moisture across the western corn belt, you know, that's just kind of helping this market out. It just felt like maybe we peaked out a little bit, then we just kind of fell apart for a while there. But here comes cash trade last week, picking up a dollar again across the across the country, you know, trading a little bit higher. So now we're looking at 180 across the board, April at 190 for next year. I'm actually still targeting a $2 target or $200 target on April cattle. You know, again, with the number of supply and the demand just still hanging in there, even though retail prices are coming down, there's still a good meat on the bone for the packer to keep bidding up those cattle prices. Excellent. John Heidenberg, market advisor with Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend, sharing his insights with us this morning on what's developing in the marketplace. Always want to remind you, their website again, totalfarmmarketing.com. Toll-free number to call, 800-334-9779. And John H., at TotalFarmMarketing.com if you want to email them directly. I suppose you're not going to be able to make it up to Farm Tech Days, hey? No, I'm not going to be making it up there this year, So, but okay. uh, have a good time and enjoy the show. I'll report to you next week. Thanks, John. We'll catch up with you next Tuesday. Sounds good. Have a great week. John Heinberg, again, joining us live this morning from Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend. Uh, excellent person to chat with if you're still trying to find a position in the marketplace. I'll see you at Wisconsin Farm Technology Days.